0: welcome to the very first episode of the rebranded nrl rewind we are now the sc halfback i'm your number seven matt namofsky and i'm very excited i had to get my 5-8 on he is the sean rudder to my andrew johns johnny how are you mate
1: i'm very well mate uh it's, it's been a while the dust has settled i uh, haven't seen you since the grand final last. uh but it looks like you're, you're out of your cave and uh, you're doing well
0: Look, I'm not going to lie to you, mate, about 18, JD and Coke's help that night. Um, Joey Manu's hamstring really did knock me for six, but gave me some time to reflect. You know, the SC season is done. Classic is done as well. Um, and now we're ready in the off season. This is where we do our best work. And like I said at the top, we are now the SC halfback. We're basically going to be going super coach content, draft, classic, whatever it is, we're on top of it. So, Johnny, I had to have you on for the first episode because... What a way to start the offseason by looking back at the past and wrapping it up. And let's do the 2023 SC Halfback Supercoach Awards. And I think you're the best guy to come on here because obviously we got that draft comp together. You played some classic as well. And you're going to be to, be able to throw some things at each other and get some good content going here. Let's do it. All right, so let's jump straight in. So we're talking about awards hey. So good, bad, different, whatever it is. So let's just start. We've got different categories here. Let's run down the list. So the first one I've got is the surprise score of the year. So it's no no shock that Nico Hines goes 180. No shock that Nathan Cleary does a certain number. But there's some guys in a season where you just go, where was that score from? And I have to start us off here, Norm, with let's go all the way back to round two. Round two of the 2023 season, Jacob Kiraz, out of nowhere scoring 148 against the Melbourne Storm, was the first WTF moment of the Supercoach season. Our friend Dave, obviously, drafted his boy Kiraz and laid the smackdown on Melbourne that week.
1: Yeah, Kiraz, I mean, he started the season on fire. He uh, he was you know, top of the WM after what was it, a few weeks, in, like a month in, and um yeah we we'll, we we'll, everyone was looking at you know Kira I was like is this new you know bizarre like he was just uh, tighting up and you know 50, 60 in base he was he was on uh, yeah on tour
0: yeah and obviously he finished the season you know had a couple of injuries and things I think he finished with just a, a 59 point average 59.9. so did tail off for that score I remember I was guilty of as well in classic straight away getting my team with those big cash rises and you know he, he never cracked a hundred again. Uh, had a couple of 90s in, but yeah, that 148 definitely stands out. Do you have another guy that you look at this season and go, where the hell did that come from?
1: Yeah, look, my one, I didn't have to go too far back. Um, You might remember this one as well. I think Uh, this was round 26, last round. John Rapana, what was it? 158, 156, pushing 160. That was a career high. Uh, It was almost enough to get me over a line against you. I think I in the end you were like one thousand something and I was like twenty short, but uh yeah I, I was coming into that final round, you know two three hundred behind, thinking I needed you know uh to get two hundred plus between uh Rapina and some other bloke and um yeah Rapana almost got me in the line, so uh, that was one of my uh, biggest surprise scores of the year, hundred percent.
0: Average fifty four in the season. His other high score was an eighty nine. And he comes out with a 160 against the Bulldogs <laughs> to wreck a, lo- and there would have been a lot of people in my position that just got wrecked by that score. And I, I left that, I left that one for you. I thought that would be your, your pick there. And bloody hell, Jordan and partner. If it's, if there's always one guy at the end of the season in Super Coach Finals. It was Braden Trindle a couple of years ago. Jordan and partner this year. So that is a great selection, mate. But let's go on to the next category here. Let's go to the team of the year. Who is the team that we did not expect this year? But once you had them in your side, you're like, yes, this is the team, and I want to stack this team. I'll start us off here. The New Zealand Warriors. I think a lot of preseason wooden spoon pick. I know that I didn't want to draft any of them. In the end, I think I had four of them. Uh, and you look at some of the top scores, and they had a lot of good, uh, you know, SJ, Chance, DWZ, Adam, Tohu. All these guys just, yeah, putting on some huge scores. So the Warriors would be my vote for Team of the Year. What do you got there?
1: Yeah, look, my one may or may not be a bit biased, but I'm going to go with the Newcastle Knights for this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, finishing the season with nine in a row, you could pretty much get any one of their back line and pretty much, uh, yeah, be, be very comfortable with that. Uh The Knights have been one of the best scoring side, uh surprisingly, over the last... Nine rounds, and they've conceded very few. But you know, this is super coach we're talking about. No one cares about defense, and but their attack has been on fire.
0: Yeah, they've they really done well this year. You look at the guys in terms of three guys over a 70 point average Pongamazu and Gagai, uh, three more in the 60s, young, best Fitzgibbon. So, definitely in terms of super coach output, they have some guys that would have been loved to have been owned. But let's go to the opposite end of that the flop team, the worst team to own this year. And I'm gonna have to go. They came on at the end of the year, but I think they trapped a lot of us at the start of the year, especially in draft. I know a lot of guys went early. The Sydney Roosters, between all of their superstars and you know preseason darlings, going to run through this comp. It was a very slow start, and when you look at it, I'm just going to bring up the app right now. The highest averaging player was James Nerscok with a 69. Two more guys in the 60s: Joy Manu and Nat Butcher, and that's it. Three guys over 60 in a Roosters team is not what we thought at the start of the season so i would give it to the roosters there who do you have there
1: yeah look nrl wise the worst team i think i guess parramatta and rabbits were the biggest flops just in mm-hmm. terms of you know the expectations you know, they were in the um, semi finals last year but uh super coach wise i have to agree with you i think it would be uh the roosters i mean you know everyone went into the season thinking they were like you know guaranteed top four minor premierships look at that team sheet uh, but, yeah, flops all around on that one.
0: Yeah, and it was just, yeah, like you said, I think the para and the Rabbits, obviously disappointing in NRL, but they did have some, t- every time we thought that there would be a big game for those two clubs as well in Supercoach, you know, I kind of think to Classic and that Latrell Mitchell trade at the end of the year, I'm like, here we go, he's going he's gonna to kill at the back end and it's never really clicked. Same with Cody Walker, never really had that huge score. And if you look at Cody Walker, for example, very quickly, uh, three tons. For someone like Cody Walker, that's that's under. So very, very interesting. We'll see how they go next year. But let's go to the gun of the year. First individual one here, gun of the year. Uh, I'm just going to put him out there. Nico Hines, top scorer for Supercoach, 95 average. Uh, play, missed a couple of crucial games, obviously, the start of the year. Missed those first three rounds. And obviously missing my grandfather in round 26. But I think you can't go past. If you drafted him in the top three like I did, you're very happy with it. And if you, if you wrote him all the way through classic, there's maybe one or two bad scores. Everything else was gold. So Nico Heinz being pretty clear. Who do you have there?
1: Yeah. Um, uh, my one, well, I was getting confused with the pick of the year award, but my gun, uh, of the year, uh, that would be, I guess someone, I'm um, I picked up about round seven, round eight in our draft comp, mm. and that's odd or hop goats, uh, yep. whatever you prefer. But, um, uh, yeah, he was an out-and-out gun for me. And I think for a lot of players in both Classic and Draft, I think he finished, you know, what is it? The sixth, sixth top uh, super coach score at the end of the year. Um, he was immense.
0: Yeah, he was a real, like, obviously he started nearly basement dollar in Classic. In Draft, like you said, a lot of guys would have got him around, you know, around six to 10. Uh, and what he did, and every time it seemed like he was going to tail off a little bit with forwards coming back, there was always a key injury of key suspension and he'd pump out another big score. So you're absolutely right. Jermaine Hopgood. Definitely one of those guys, him and Jacob Preston, probably for me are the two rookies of the year in terms of coming in and just like really owning the NRL and, you know, for the next five to 10 years, Supercoach guns, those two guys, just they're going to be automatically picked. So I think two great selections there, but let's go to the flop of the year. So obviously these are the guys that we thought would be really good value um, you know, going to pump out some big scores, but it's never happened for whatever reason. So I've got a couple of honorable mentions. I'll throw it to you, then I'll give you who I think is the actual flop of the year. So Brendan Smith is my number one. I think in that Roosters team, the number nine. We all got very excited to see him in that Roosters jersey. Coming out of Melbourne, he's going to, you know, really own that around the ruck, him and Teddy just never really clicked. I've got Viliyama Kick out for the Bulldogs. Obviously a big injury layoff with that torn peck, but before and after, wasn't too inspiring. Any other guys you have before we throw it to the award winner here?
1: Yeah, I'd have to agree with you for Cheese there. I think, you know, if you drafted Cheese and you expected him in this, you know, high-flying Rousers side, you would have been disappointed. Uh, I think Burton was a bit of a disappointment as well. I know Mm -hmm. he was drafted, you know, a lot of of leagues, you know, top two sort of round picks and uh, the Bulldogs... Unfortunately, they didn't fire as well.
0: Yeah, there's guys that I would also put in like an Adam and Dewey, but I don't think that's a flop. He just got injured, unfortunately. And, you fine. know, he was gonna try and drag that Tigers team, but I am gonna go to the Tigers for my flop of the year, and only because he had a good season. It was okay, but for where he was drafted and the the price coming in, I think it's Isaiah Pabalu. Obviously, coming from the Parramatta Eels, going to this West Tigers team, we thought there'd be a slight drop in production, uh, but basically he. I think he finished in the mid-50s, maybe 56, 57 in that range. Uh, And for a guy that, you know, was taken top two rounds of the draft and, you know, very highly owned to start the season in classic, uh, not what you want. So he actually finished with a 55-point average. And when you look at the actual stats, his highest score was an 82, which when you think for IPAP, like, you know, he never – that's his actual only score, only over 75 this year. He had quite a few scores under 50, so I think it's got to be – i probably, you know i really hope he does return to form because he's one of those players you love to own and watch so let's go to the best captaincy option of the year and this is a particular one where um there's one clear stand out for me but there's also you know these last couple of rounds have also helped out so when i say best captain of the year what is the best choice where it was just unexpected and it was a very very big pod and I think it's a clear winner in round four. I believe Nico Hines comes back against the Dragons, and a lot of people obviously didn't start with him in classic because you know he had the calf injury. If you're one of those guys that jumped on and rode the wave and put the sea on him straight away in that first game, 180 on the first game back, and really tore apart the league early on, so he'll be my pick there. Obviously, you got DC, Kula, Olaquiter in these last couple of rounds for Manly, but I think uh, Nico Hines that 180. You jumped on, then that was the way to start your season, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, 100%. Uh, 180, that's uh, yeah, that's getting stratospheric there. And we might pick, I'm going to go a very similar score, actually, actually, this exact same score with uh, Caelan Ponga around 18 against the Bulldogs. Oh, that nice. was when the uh, new class put what was it 66? It was a what our biggest win in history, which is why I remember it very fondly. But um, yeah, Caelan Ponga just comes out and explodes with 180. On the poor Bulldogs. I mean, you know, we all know what Caelan can do, but I think, you know, just with his HIA history and concussions, um, you know, a lot of people were off on him this year, but um, look, he's just, yeah, been on a trajectory um, along with the Knights sort of uh, uh, late end on season.
0: Yeah, he was one of the, that was, I remember that round fondly because I brought Caelan Ponger in for that game in Classic and it was one of those ones where, did you jump on or not jump on? and it did really define a lot of people's seasons. And I think especially in draft, the KP owner, you know, we to, to he's in another, um, another category here, but it was really, if you had him for that run, you know, this last eight games, you could have ridden him all the way to a premiership there. But uh, the next one, let's obviously go to the flip side, the worst captaincy option. I think there's two clear ones. And I think one is for the, they're both for the potential of what they could have been and how big they were. So I'm going to go the first one. I'm gonna go back to round 14, nom, and this is right around Origin, and we're at Bluebet State, uh, Bluebet Stadium, in Penrith, and it's the Panthers versus the Dragons. I don't know if you remember this, and after about 10 minutes, Cleary's on 32. Nathan Cleary's on 32 points, and he looks like he's gonna put the Super Coach record on. It was that topic. He had that look in his eye. The Panthers were humming. He did his leg. He did. It. He did. I believe it was a hammy or a calf, whatever it was. <laughs> And he went off and he slapped the turf and he went off. And to me, that was one of those ones where if whoever capped him that week, there was, a, there was a 150 at least sitting there. So that's definitely one for me. But then I can't go past. Still roar in my heart. Joey Manu against the Tigers around 26. It was the pot option that week. There was a lot of guys in the top thousand that went that route in classic. In draft, there was a lot of guys like me that, you know, if you went a Biza or a Dallin with your VC, you're like, let's go Joey Manu. And you know what? We were right. There was a there was a Roosters fullback on a ton up that day. It was just Joseph Sualeti getting one hundred and forty after Joey Manu did his hammy. So they're the two I've Joey Manu against the Tigers and Nathan Cleary against the Dragons. Any any thoughts there?
1: Yeah, look, I haven't had too many clangers myself in draft or classic, but um, yeah, I think that Joey Manu one in particular, um, coincidentally, both. Theory and uh have gone with Hammies, but uh yeah, that Joey Marty one would have killed a lot of uh, you know, lost a lot of grand final leagues. Uh a lot of classics sort of went down with uh Joe Marty because he was late in the round against the Tigers. Um yeah, everyone it, expected him to go big.
0: It was such a weird game, too, because when you're watching it, it was that first, I think he I think he lasted about 19 minutes on the pitch. And they just had no field position, and it was like Come on, it's the Tigers pump him. And as soon as he went off, it, another about ten minutes, then Suley Su- starts just carving up, and it's like every time it went through it went through, it was like, yep, that's another Manu point. that's another Manu point. So heartbreaking, but that's the way it goes. you know, you get some good ones, you get some bad ones, but let's go let's go into the draft realm now. So this is obviously uh we don't talk about our league, but I think everyone's obviously got their own league. so the best draft pick of the year. I couldn't split it, on. There's two guys here I think you have to go. And unfortunately, bloody Ed in our league got both of them. So I'm talking about SJ and Jermaine Asako. Somehow, they were the 16th and 17th picks in, out in his draft league this year. So I think there would have been a lot of guys. You know, they probably went and drafted as well in a lot of leagues. But yeah, SJ and Asako. And to give you an idea of how well those two guys went, if you look at the overall finish of points, Jermaine Osako was second, and Sean Johnson was fifth. And we're talking pick number 203 and 196. So that just shows you it can swing in bounds and you can do all the draft season prep in the offseason. Who would have thought of Osako number two and Sean Johnson number five?
1: Yeah, mate, that was absolutely huge. I think um, not just in our draft league, but I think a lot of other draft leagues are... Asako and Sean Johnson, they may have not even have got drafted. So, um, yeah, to come out with two top five picks, which, you know, looking at their average draft rank, they're in the 200. So, um, yeah, well done if you had either of those two because, uh, yeah, they had a monster seasons there.
0: Yeah, and I think it does, it, for me, at least, it gives a bit of a cautionary tale going into next season. Obviously, starting to do the big board and the mock drafts. Who are the guys that's going to, let's take Asako, going to a new team, goal kicker, on the strong side of the attack, who could be that guy next year. And then obviously SJ, who's a guy who has maybe had a couple of down years, but you know, a new coach has come in or a new spine player has come coming that can help re- uh, resurge them back into prominence. So they're two guys I'm looking at there, but let's go to the worst draft pick of the year. So obviously this is a bit more harsh because, you know, again, we'll try and leave injuries out of it. So I think Adam Dewey got picked number nine in our league. So I'm not going to, I'm going to exclude him. I think you have to go number three, uh, Norm, James I think the days of James Sersko being a top three unanimous draft pick is over because when you look at it, like I said, you finish with a average under 70. Uh, and for a guy that you drafted at number three, not good enough.
1: Yeah. Um, look, Teddy, probably his season went as well as the Roosters did. But um, I'm going to go another fullback here, Latrell Mitchell as well. Mm. I feel like Latrell Mitchell, he was drafted you know, in that sort of top three, top uh four pick in a lot of leagues. And um, I think Latrell Mitchell, he got, I think he, he got less value out of him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, look, if you look at it in our league, right, I think our, our league is going to be, you know, not. I think it's going to be similar in a lot of leagues, but if you look at the first round and we just quickly talk about this because it's going to be a very interesting thing coming into next year because I think the first round looks dramatically different. So obviously Nathan Cleary, Number one, he'll be there next year. Latrell Mitchell, number two, he'll be there, but I think there's gonna be some questions. Nico Hines, number three, he'll be there. James Desko, number four, I think he'll be a bit of a concern. Cameron Munster, number five, I think is a bit of a concern. You know, obviously he didn't fire a shot this three, this year. Tom Turbo at six, he'll be there, even though you know another injury uh, layoff. Seven and eight was Grant and Cook, the two hookers. I think Cook isn't there next year. Adam Dewey was number nine. Obviously, he's not playing next year, so he won't be there. Your boy, Jerome Hughes, at 10. I think he'll be around that range again. I think he's in for an- another good year. And then Drinkwater and Val Holmes, 11 and 12, who I think they will both be there as well. So there's going to be a lot of moving between, you know, like the guys you said, Teddy, Trell, Cook, you know, no Dewey. i would have been drafted very high. going to be a bit of turnover in the first round next year, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it always sort of chops um, and changes year on year, but um, yeah, I think a lot of this is the year of uh, quite a few fallen guns, I'd say.
0: Hundred percent. I think fallen guns, and who's who do we project to get into that that one? And I'm, we're going to finish the podcast now because I've got a another podcast for us in a couple of weeks here, but two more uh, ones to go through here, nom. Let's do the plot, the past blunt of the year. So obviously, this is one that you and me coined in our draft league. Who is the player who just gets passed around like that blunt at the party, and everyone just wants to take a bit of a hit? And uh, I've got one. I think you've got one as well. So I'm going to start off with a guy that would have swung a lot of leagues. And I think would have been available in a lot of leagues like he was in ours, and that is Cooler for the Manly Eagles. Had a look. He was in five of our teams. Um, so obviously we all had a bit of a ride with him, I picked him up for the last few games and obviously scored very well but a guy that I think next year uh, he might be a one club man I think, especially if he does lock down that full back spot, so he wins the award for me who do you have there?
1: Uh, I'm going to go with Kenan Ponga actually Uh, Hmm. I think Kenan Ponga I think David first coined the term a few seasons ago when Ponga, probably last season actually when he was sort of passed around with his concussion issues and It was sort of the same case this year as well. He got drafted, you know, pop three round picks and, you know, he had a concussion. Uh, The five-eighth experiment wasn't doing too well. Uh, He picked up the duel, but I think, yeah, in the end, I think he would have got, I think you had Ponga at one stage in your team.
0: Yeah, so he got drafted uh, in the second round by Ryan. Ryan passed him to me. I passed him to Andrew andrew passed him back to me and i passed him back to ryan so he only he only went in three teams but he went on five five different transactions so uh and that was all before um i believe round 12 maybe because when i traded him the last time it was when he was going to canada to get the brain scan and see if he's ever gonna play again so i'm like all right whatever it is off you go and i um Yeah, obviously regret that because if I had a spare spot on my bench, because I was a bit of walking wounded for a little bit there, I couldn't fit him in my bench. Uh, But yeah, I would have loved to have had that for the run home, but that's fine. I think we've learned the lesson there. Try and keep one of those bench spots like I did for Papi all year to score 11 in my grand final, but it is what it is. The wrong (laughs) (laughs) fullback. Let's go to the last one, mate. The trade of the year. So obviously this is in our draft league. Uh, I don't know if you were able to go in there and find one that you like, but I think the one I'm going to give it to for me, is basically one that won the comp for him. And I'm talking about our mate, Stephen, who obviously won the comp. Congratulations, Stephen, you're snake. But <laughs> he made a deal in round 20. So just before the final started, and it was a it was a great trade. Um, he had Matt Burden. Anthony in our league was very keen on Matt Burden and traded Tom Dearden and Bradman best. And when you look at the scores and the way the final series played out, Bradman Best was basically the difference there. So, trading, take away Dearden, who had a couple of okay games there in the middle, but really, burden for best, one Stephen the comp. So, there's obviously bigger trades in our comp. You know, we've had, you know, very high uh, pick players moving our multiplayer trades, but just for winning a comp, burden for best at that time of the season, a masterstroke.
1: Yeah, that's a pretty good one. Uh one I would go probably not the best trade for me, but I think it worked out pretty well for you was Valentine Holmes and mm-hmm. um Josh King for DWZ and Tohu Harris. So this we did this back in I think round twenty two when, you know, I was sort of wanted to go in the finals. Uh if I don't I think in the end I I could have won that round without without uh making that trade because I think Jerome Hughes went. Huge in that round, but I think that round, uh, that trade won you the semi final against me. Yeah,
0: yep, yeah, that was so. um I'm really one of those warrior boys. I was very sad to let uh my boy Val go, who I just got recently. But yeah, we pulled off the trade, and then unfortunately he was suspended, so uh that was a rough one. But in terms of big seismic trades, uh, I think the one that really saved David's season uh happened with me <laughs> and him. So I traded. Uh, Drinkwater, this is before Drinkwater. Drinkwater went on his huge run, I think he maybe had one or two big yeah, scores Trevor at that stage. And, and Cam Munster. I had to, you know in our league you have to pay a bit of over sometimes, so um, I was feeling myself I was pulling off some really, really good trades and I'm like, you know what, I can win a comp here so I went all in on Turbo and I got he played the Dolphins at Brookvale and got about a 120 off the top of my head and I love watching that, that was really fun. And then I was in Disneyland in Japan and I had no KO, couldn't watch the game. Um, so I'm just on NRL.com getting updates and I see four minutes in, Tom Travojevic substitute off. I'm like, oh, hopefully just a head knock. No, no, it's a torn peck. So that was how David's uh, season got re-energized. So you win some, you lose some. That was a fun trade. It was a big trade, but they obviously didn't pay off.
1: Yeah, he did well, got him to the finals, but unfortunately, no match for uh, my Storm boys.
0: Ran into you with a, a full head of steam there. So that's all the awards. Do you have any other ones that you want to mention to round out this? Uh, is there any other players you want to shout out, any other super coaches, anything that you want to mention here?
1: Yeah, I think one of the waiver picks uh, from memory was uh, DWZ for me. Yes. Uh, obviously, yes. you know, uh, I traded him away late season, but DWZ, I think I picked him up off the waivers. This is when I was like bottom of the table maybe for round six or something. And uh yeah, he was a keeper in my team. And wouldn't have been a keeper in my team right to the end.
0: Yeah, I think I'll throw one out. Jacob Preston, I picked him up uh the round one waiver. So he obviously played that first game. I think he scored a twenty five off the bench. Um, but you know, I was hearing all the podcast saying this is the guy, this is the guy you need, so jumped on that and he basically stayed in the side until he got suspended at the end of the season. So he is a guy that, you know, we have those guys that we just love owning. For me, Jacob Preston in my two RF every year, I think. So that's a, that's a good one to finish there. But what I do want to mention, Nom, this was a good one here. We obviously got our awards out of the way, but the other thing I want to wrap up the season, you mentioned the year of the fall on gun and I can't agree with you more. This was definitely some of those guys that we always think are supercoach coach guns. I think I've taken that step below and some guys have taken the step up. So we're going to make the Superstar Club on our next podcast together. And basically what we're going to do is work out who are, we'll work out what the number is, maybe it's 20 players, who are the top 20 guns that will just, you know, next season, their gun status, no questions asked. Who are the guys that have fallen out in previous years and who can climb back in? So we'll we'll work on that one uh, separately, but yeah, we'll come back and the Superstar Club for 2024, I think will be a good way to wrap up the 2023 season.
1: Well, it's so important to get those uh, top pretty much your top two round picks, right? Because uh, it goes a long way in uh, taking you all the way to the end on the Supercoach final. 100%.
0: Well, Nom, the inaugural episode of the SC Halfback is done and dusted. We've said it all. Thank you very much for coming on, mate.
1: Alright, no it's Always a pleasure.
0: And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please find us at the socials. Like I said, the handle has changed at the SC Halfback. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back with more content, more posts. Follow those social posts when you can. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. We'll hear from you soon. Cheers.